Welcome to Thrive Deeper, an ongoing conversation with Dr. Matthew Jacoby, author of the Thrive Bible Reading Guides, teaching pastor and leader of the Psalmist Band Sons of Korah. Join us as we go deeper into the Bible, discussing the passages as we read them together with Thrive. Now here's your host, DJ Payne. Welcome to episode 39 of Thrive Deeper, your accompaniment podcast to the Thrive Daily Reading Guide. It's your host here, DJ Payne. And on this week's episode, Matthew and I are jumping into that first third of the book of Proverbs, and we're going to cover some questions. We're going to get into the very fascinating uh, topic of work and finances and how they go together. And how do we find satisfaction in all of that? I know it's one you're going to want to listen to. So grab your Bible, grab your Thrive, grab your pen and paper and join with us after the break. We'll get into it. The Book of Proverbs. This is Thrive Deeper. I know you wear a lot of hats, Matt. And at the moment, I I guess one of the hats you've been wearing quite a while. I don't know what style of hat it would be. Maybe it's more of a robe or a or a head some sort of head covering. I don't know where you're going with this. Well it's the it's the Sons of Cora hat. Oh the Sons of Cora hat. Because yeah. you've done two live shows with a new new muso. You've got a new yeah. member of the team. Yeah. You're and I know that the the beginning of uh, songwriting, recording, mm. sketches are being put down for the next Sons of Cora project. Mm. Yeah they are. It's a it's a, a hat that I sometimes forget about because I do wear other hats, but it's. I was thinking the other day how much I enjoy it when it when it because yeah. it's intermittent. Yeah, you know, it comes out and then I, I sort of don't think about it, and then I, I think, oh, there's, we've got a tour coming up, and I'm just so, and I'm really am still excited <laughs> to get out there and play music because at the end of the day. I love playing music. Yeah. And and to be able to play with great musos and in great situations yeah. is that's the privilege that I have to do that as well and put on top of that as well as the ministry dynamic and playing these sorts of songs, which in our case is the Psalms. Um, I love it. And I love the composition element too. Yeah. Even just working away at that lately, you get I'm just I love how um how it uh these psalms just fall into music and and how much the music actually magnifies the emotion of the psalm. So I really love that creative process. Is the um, does it? Well, I know we have a lot of Sons of Korah fans listening, and you know, and and we have people who have no idea who Sons of Korah mm. is, and that's great. But with your working on, is it the ninth or tenth album? Uh, Record, ninth, ninth, ninth studio record, album. Ninth yeah. studio album. Yeah. Give us a sneak peek. What's coming up? What have we got? Well, um, the one I've been putting, the one I'm most excited about is Psalm 88, which is the <laughs> which is the dark. It's it's known as a very dark psalm, um, but it's a. I, I just think it's an exceptionally beautiful psalm. Actually, I mean, it's it's a, it's a real lament, and it's in in a situation of just abject kind of hopelessness in one sense, and yet. There is a strong light of hope in it, in in the in the very cry to God and the faith with which the psalmist actually um, shapes that cry. So, um, so I've tried to really bring out that that light in the darkness in in that psalm in the music. Beautiful, yeah, yeah. I can't Giving wait. it lots of space, and you know, it's probably like I, 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 I 
it's one of those psalms that I think I'll probably give four tracks to. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. An entire, like in the old thinking, an entire side of a vinyl record yeah, is dedicated yeah, yeah, yeah. to one yeah, psalm. Something like that. Yeah. I, I remember, and again, we're going down nostalgia lane here, uh, and we'll get to Proverbs. Trust me, we'll get to Proverbs. Yeah. <laughs> um, is uh, when I, I, I was there at the uh, beginning running a record label with Stuart Duncan. You're yeah. now, you know, your yeah, manager yeah. still now. And we started a record label and our first signing was Sons of Cora. You know, we were so <laughs> both stoked about it. And being there for your first uh, album recording in Geelong. Mm. And I would often joke with you and the then yeah. members of the, of the, yeah. uh, of the team, um, I would say, you know what, Psalm eighty eight, Psalm eighty eight. I know, yeah, you've been saying that for a while. And yeah. and I and I remember you guys just sort of feigning like, Oh, how would we do it? Like yeah. so and it's and it's amazing. Twenty years later or twenty something yeah. years later, you guys are like, We're ready. Yeah, but the thing is I was actually working on it back then, like it, that long ago, <laughs> uh, like uh, even before we recorded Light of Life, which was in like ninety eight. Yeah. Uh like even a couple of years before that, I, I can remember Working on uh, probably as early as 95, 96, I wow. can remember working on Psalm 88. Wow. Because I, because I, I just, I just found it such a moving psalm. It is. It's yeah. a, it's a beautiful psalm. Well, we're, we're not talking about psalms. We're, we're just no. one book over we talking could, about Proverbs. We, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we, when, when Sons of Korah finally finish all the psalms, maybe you'll book, work on the book of Proverbs. Mm. Uh, the, um, but we are, we're sailing through the through the book of Proverbs. I, for one, am absolutely loving mm. going through it again, reading it over and over again, especially with my family. Mm. And it is I'm appreciating it in a whole new mm. way. And I sort of feel a little bit guilty that I haven't been re- reading mm. it to my boys aloud, mm. f- you know, for a long, long time. You mm. know, for and th- for, this is sort of the first time at their ages. The oldest is fifteen. The youngest is ten. Yeah that I'm able to go through it yeah. and sort of speak to them in the way that I feel that Solomon yeah. was speaking yeah. to his children. Yeah. It is an amazing book and I hope for our listeners, I mean, I hope uh, that you've been reading through it. And, of course, this uh, podcast is designed to go together with the Thrive Daily Bible Reading Guide. And yeah. so I um, uh, do encourage you to follow those readings because it, um, it really is uh, – there really is some classic stuff in there. And um, – yeah. It. Uh, do we have any questions? I, I, I was wondering yeah. whether we have any questions. Actually, perfect timing. I'm just pulling yeah. up the questions now. We've got a couple of questions, and the questions are from our Facebook group. And uh, keep on listening at the end of the episode. Benita, the lovely voiceover lady, at the end of the episode, will give you all the links yeah. to all of that. But we've had Meg Thompson has uh, jumped in there and given us a question. Okay. And she says, "There's a lot of my child and." My son yeah. going on in the book of Proverbs. Mm. Is this God talking to Solomon mm. or is it Solomon talking to his child? Mm. How are we supposed to, you know, take it? And if if it was Solomon talking to his son or his sons, mm. who were they? Do we know anything about them? Yeah, I mean, that the last one is an interesting one because his son, Rehoboam, who became the king after him, was one of the biggest fools <laughs> in the history of the kings. I mean, he, he, re- he really is quite foolish uh, in the end, which is a kind of funny little juxtaposition. Uh, and, and, and it may well be that he was a bit of a spoilt brat, Rehoboam, because as you know, in the latter part of Solomon's life, he puts enormous efforts into wealth building. 
Yes. And uh, and so it may well be that you know his son actually uh, goes off the track uh, because of that. But um, uh, but that's that sort of voice actually that father father to son voice in the proverbs I think is indicative of more than that. I think it's a it's a stylistic thing. It's not that just that Solomon was writing them for his son. It's a stylistic thing because it's. Uh, the proverbs themselves are are this. They are encapsul encaps. They encapsulate God's wisdom for 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 everyday life, and they're the classic uh, wisdom that you pass on to the next generation, so yes. that it may go well with them. You know, fantastic. And it, it, it's it's sort of shaped. The proverbs are kind of for that. Like this is education. Let's educate our kids. Let's make sure they get all these principles of life. And so I think that is that father to son voice that we see in the Proverbs is um, uh, is indicates how the Proverbs were seen and probably used in their time as mm. this tool for passing on principles of life yep. to the next generation. This leads. This, this, that's great. I hope, Meg. I hope that answers your question. I thought. I thought you answered that fantastically, Matt. Because in that first um, sort of third of the book of Proverbs, it is all the speeches, yeah. you know, from Solomon to his son. Yeah. I think there's depending on how you count them, ten different, or I've heard nine different. I've heard eleven. For different ways yeah. of counting the speeches of Solomon, we get at least three or four speeches from the female. Yeah. Persona of wisdom itself yeah. speaking as well in that first yeah. section, and it is definitely, it's definitely something that I've I, I've thought about. And someone asked me recently, knowing that we're going through proverbs, is do we read? How do we read proverbs? Are these? How did they word it? Basically asking. Are these promises mm. like God's yeah. word is promise that we take and yeah. we do this? And I said, well, mm, yeah, these, these, it's a good question. And and we had a yeah. big long discussion on that because I, I, to cut a very long answer down the short, I would say, I don't know if these are promises that you can hold on to and say, if I've raised my child in the way of the Lord, he will not depart from it. My yeah. child has wandered off and says that they do not believe in God in it, but I am believing and standing yeah, on this based promise. On that, yeah. And I'm like, ah. Uh. Yeah, it's a very good point because they the, the proverbs don't operate like that. They are maxims for everyday life of the way that things generally work. Mm. You know, it's like this is the way that things work. So, um, you know, f f it's, it's like akin to saying if you plant a tomato seed, a tomato plant will grow. Yeah. Well, um, Personally, I've pl planted lots of tomato plants and they've all died. But that's not the point. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, uh, if you do this, this will, as a sort of a general rule in life, it's, it's, they are statements about how life, how life works. Yes. How things work generally, you know. So they're not, they're not promises, um, as you say, in that sense, yeah. uh, but descriptions of reality. Yeah, like a, a yeah. guiding principle. I, I read something, and I forgive me, I cannot remember where it was. Two two factors here that I that I ended up talking about. Number one factor is this is not a book that sits by itself on the shelf. Yeah. The book of Proverbs sits with Job, and it sits with Ecclesiastes, yeah. and those two other books yeah. are for understanding that these aren't promises, yeah. because 
Job did the things right, yeah. and God says, yeah, that's right, yeah, doesn't happen like that. That's a very good point. Ecclesiastes yeah. is the man of the man of wisdom and everything else. Going, I've seen it all. Doesn't yeah. always go yeah. like that book of Proverbs says. Yeah. And I think we need to take all of those three yeah. into consideration. Well, though. in a sense, the book of the the, Ecle- uh, the teacher in Ecclesiastes is saying all, all of the things that that you know, because the Proverbs talks about you know if you do this, it'll go well, and you'll be yeah. you know, and and the writer of Ecclesiastes almost he gets all of those blessings, but he says these things on their own are meaningless. Yes, it's, the life is bigger than this. So yeah. that there's that kind there's that bigger perspective. It's really interesting, actually. Uh, to to recognise actually the distinct voices of the different wisdom books, yeah. and and to be very sensitive to what they're doing and not doing, uh, I think that's you know because it's like Job is not a is not a normative statement about how we can expect God to work in our lives, or it's this this drama that unfolds that deals with these big questions of suffering, and and Ecclesiastes also is not statement. It's not saying um, that. Uh, all of these things are just meaningless and well it is saying that but the point is is that apart from god mm. uh on their own consider on their mm. own mm. all of these things really come uh come to nothing they 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 wind us up uh kind of they're all a bit of a dead end yeah um and so we should focus on war- obeying and walking with god so th- there is a there's a distinct voice and that's very much the case with the proverbs and I, and I think the other can be argued as well. The flip side is is true. If we just had Job and we just yeah. had Ecclesiastes, we'd be like, whoa, this is really yeah. – But Proverbs help – like Proverbs yeah. – like the three, those three books together to me is such a – like a work of God that he's, he's, he's saying – and this is the other part of the, of the conversation I end up having – that the wisdom – Personified in in uh, in proverbs, and the proverbs themselves as these maxims and the way of life, is an invitation mm. to step into how to how God has wired the universe. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and we're entering into the best probability of things happening. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, and this is the way that I've wired things to go. I want you to step in and plug yourself into these things. Yeah. But beware, life isn't simple. That's right. Yeah, life a- isn't the easy. Book of Job, and that's where the book of Job comes exactly. in. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and and in fact, uh, it's good because like it's kind of wonderfully practical. Like, for, let me give you an example. Mm. You know, a classic one is you know if I just have enough faith, you know, like I'm gonna, uh, God is gonna um, care for all my needs, and you know, give and and indeed, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and all of these other things will be given to you as well. And so there can be, there can be, um, uh, you could take this approach that, well, I'm just going to trust God. And, um, and as long as I have enough faith, I'll have everything that I need. Now that's very true, Mm. but the proverb, the, the, uh, the proverbs come in and say, yeah, but if you don't work, you can't expect anything. (laughs) It's like, it's beautifully practical, you know? Yeah. But that's not an excuse for laziness. Yeah. 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 And and it's a it's a classic because you get some people that do but perhaps might use that as an excuse for like well I'm just going to trust God and mm. and sit on a hill yeah, yeah. and meditate and pray mm. and expect you know uh, the Lord to shower down everything uh, that I, well uh, 
if you, a little folding of the hands, yeah. a little nodding of the head, and <laughs> poverty will come upon you in an instant. Yeah. You know, that's... Have you considered the ant, <laughs> you slug it? Yeah, that's yeah. right. So there's this, there's this really practical mm. kind, of, uh, kind of wisdom that, uh, that I think we need. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Okay, let's take a break. We'll come back in a moment and we'll get into the next question, which I think will lead us into the next part of Proverbs really, really well. You're listening to Thrive Deeper with DJ Payne and Magic Obi. Matt, there's another question that's come in via the Facebook group, and it is from good old Chris Maddock. And Chris says that uh, just recently in the Thrive's message has been about generosity. Mm. And he said, it's reminded me that being generous with money is one thing, but but being generous with your time and your resources, not just money, is not Mm. often commented on in the church. And he said, look, I know a lot of generous people, and I know some generous people who are poor, Mm. They give of their time and their resources. But I know other people who are very rich and they give out of the, like the checkbook's mm. open, yeah, no, for, no worries, but they're never going to spend any time with you yeah, or do anything like that. And he said, yeah. he said you know, uh, what is real generosity according to, according to Proverbs? That's a very good question. <laughs> I like Chris, it. Chris is I good really at like it. Um, uh, yeah, it's a good point because um, it gets down to the heart attitude. It's not because you could – um, you could have lots of money and just hand out money as a way of almost abdicating your responsibility, yeah, yeah. your personal responsibility. Uh, so is, I've kind of done my bit, you know. I'll, I'll, um, uh, I don't really want to come and spend time with you, but I'll pay for a counselling appointment for you. That's <laughs> like when actually what they really need is a friend, you know. Yeah. Um, so, so it's more the, um, yeah, it's more the attitude. Uh, of your heart. Generosity is about um, an outward focus. It's um, moving beyond the individualism that says, and this defensive way of living that says, I've just got to look after myself and make sure I'm going okay. It's actually saying, no, actually, true generosity is saying, I actually exist. My purpose in life is the has to do with the positive effect that I'm meant to have on the lives of other people. Mm-hmm. And and an engagement with that, and so, um, so it is a real caring for other people, and and therefore a sensitivity to what they actually need. So, um, in in a lot of cases, people it's not like people have enough. Mm. So, like reactive financial generosity is what they is not what they need. What they need actually is someone to empower them and walk with them to actually help them become more productive people. For example. So it's the old uh, thing, and you see this a lot with um, the way that development uh, is done, um, poverty development is done. It's not a matter of handing out money. Actually, uh, it's about getting alongside people, journeying with them, and empowering people Mm. to be productive, yeah. you know, So and, and, and to come to wholeness. And that's actually a big investment of time, big investment of concern, care, because 
what really empowers and blesses people is love. Mm. You know, and so um, you can't, you can't, there's no substitute for that. Um, you can't just give money because that's not going to change them. Money doesn't change people. What changes people are people who love them. Yeah. That's what is really going to change and, and transform the lives of people. So generosity needs to be seen within that context. But certainly, I mean, the, the principle in the Proverbs is that a stingy person will um, will never have enough. Yeah. Uh, and and this idea that actually when you are generous you will gain even more, mm. because um, the the wisdom of the proverbs is that uh, when it comes to money is very much that of if you take this if you're obsessed about money and money is like your god then then you're actually going to have a very dysfunctional relationship with it and and you're not going to be able to have the kind of objectivity that's going to allow you to make wise choices yeah. i mean this is how practical the proverbs really yeah. are you know so but if we if we have this attitude that money isn't the be all and end all it's not what i set my heart on uh, i'm i'm generous with and open handed with my money um, and i'm saying to myself I, I have enough, I'm content. Then actually you have the right attitude to be really wise uh, with your money yeah. um, as well. And you, you can be patient. You can go the long haul with your investment. You're not in a hurry to get more and more and more, yeah. which often leads to poverty. I mean, um, the Proverbs talk about haste leading to poverty. Yes. And, and the haste that it's talking about is the quickly, I've got to get rich, I've got to get rich because mm. all my happiness depends on it. Now, actually, a content person is far more likely to be successful. And it's funny, I've, I've seen that. I've seen people get wealthy very quickly and go back to bankruptcy as quickly. Just as quickly, you know. Yeah. Whereas, whereas those people who I think lifelong are, are most prosperous are, often have a much better attitude um, yeah. uh, to money. In fact, I, I, the classic example of the um, uh, – of the this book that I read and I can't remember who it's by where one of these get rich gurus, you know, how to be wealthy and prosperous actually talks about this. You need to establish the right attitude to your money. And he advocated giving away at least 10% of your money because in doing that, you say to yourself, I have enough. And so you establish the right kind of attitude towards, Mm -hmm. towards your money. So, um, so that's kind of the, you know, that that's where that added that, Everything comes down to your attitude yes. in these things. And that goes for how you relate to your money, but most of all how you relate to, to people. And, and that gets back to Chris's question. So, so and I, that's, that's great. Mm. I, I know Chris will love that discussion there. So when we read a lot about work, effort, finances, riches, and poverty, because it's a major theme yeah. in this section of Proverbs mm. – is it correct to read it and say this is just talking about finances, riches, money in the bank, or when he's talking about poverty and wealth, is he talking about something more than just money? What's the, is there yeah. a correct way to do yeah, it? Because yeah. I've heard people really spiritualize this. Okay, poverty is spiritual poverty, and and without God, and riches is. You know, and I'm like, well, it did, what did Solomon mean by that? Was Solomon just giving practical financial advice to his sons, or was he talking about something more? In, in uh, this is going to sound really unspiritual, but in a way, he kind of is. Yeah. This is just good advice yeah. because it's how things work. Mm. And and um, 
like in in one sense, but uh, it's it, it's more than just doing things to get good outcomes. It's about character um, development as well. So it's about being a diligent person, mm. a patient person, uh, a person who applies wisdom. And and you you know if you have wisdom, then it's going to apply to every part of life, and it's going to benefit you in every part of life. You're going to make better decisions. You're going to have better attitudes. And um, so this this patience and this perseverance and this um, willingness to work hard and all of these things that um, should be the fruits of a good attitude are going to lead naturally are going to, going to give you a much better chance of being a prosperous person. All things being equal. Okay. Now the world isn't a just isn't uh, isn't a world characterized primarily by justice. I'm afraid. So um, so bad things happen in the world and we get robbed and markets crash and people do, you know, so it's all sorts of terrible things happen uh, in this world. So it's not, as, as you said before, it's not like a, it's not like a, um, a law that applies in every situation, but it's a general principle that uh, when we attain these right attitudes, willingness to persevere, work hard, be patient, apply prudence, um, then we, we, we're, we're going to be more productive people uh, in general. Okay, one one question that popped up for me while I was going through the through the book of Proverbs was, and there's been a, been a, a couple of news stories as as we've been recording this, and it's a, a news story that pops up quite quite often in mm. this day and age, and usually you know with different political bents, and we won't go into it, but in the most simple simple way, there's a bit of a movement to say you know the future. And they love to they love to roll out different excuses, and it's been a common thing. Like in the future, you know, robots are going to replace you know mm. human beings with working, mm. and working is going to get you know less and less and less. Mm. And work is is downplay the concept yeah. of working for your sustenance mm. is like ah, that's old hat. You know, we mm. need to move into a new paradigm where the government supplies everybody with a yeah. with a wage, and everybody gets a, a basic living wage. And no matter what you do, no matter whether what you want to do, you can then have that and everybody is equal in that way. Mm. And there's something about that, just recently hearing that again while I'm reading Proverbs, that goes, mm. are we trying to rewire the fab fabric of the universe here? Is this what mm. is this going against what Proverbs is talking about? Yeah, that's a – I mean, that's a really interesting uh, – this is a – like – Seriously, uh, this is a topic for a doctoral thesis or something. I mean, really, I, I, I mean that because this is a really interesting. Because I've, I've, I have heard that, um, I have heard that, uh, and in fact, there's a couple of books that I've read. Uh, one is called, oh, gee, I never remember the names of books. One like the, the fourth, um, yeah, it's like the fourth revolution or the fourth. Um, but, we'll look. We'll look and, up. You know, later. I, and actually, I also read. Um, there's a book by Al Gore, just simply called The Future. Mm. Where, where he discusses these sorts of things, and so it's a view that's out there that there will, you know, that maybe there'll be a time when, uh, when more, you know, uh, this idea that machines are going to put people out of work, and um, the uh, this book um, that I read that I can't remember the name of uh, was making the argument that yes, it'll probably mean that there won't be as many jobs, but that's not such a bad thing because uh, because things will be more readily available and and cheaper and uh, and people will have more access and it really takes away from this idea of the value of work in itself mm, mm. and actually you know i think um i think uh there is something about work and productivity as people 
you know, about producing something, the satisfaction that comes from producing something, that is really that is really valid. I think that's an important part of who we are. In fact, in some senses, I think even Karl Marx got that right when he talked about the importance of uh, the worker not being alienated from their work, having the satisfaction of producing something and being able to look at what I've produced, whereas he dealt with what this issue of alienation in the factories in the Industrial Revolution where people would be making one little part of, and there was no satisfaction in their work. Mm-hmm. And, and I think he, he addressed a, a valid psychological issue when it comes yeah. to work, that, that there was no kind of value. It took away the value of just work because mm. he, I think he very much felt that, you know, work is a part of humanity and, and, and we draw a lot of satisfaction. I think he had a point uh, in that. I don't, I don't agree with Karl Marx and everything uh, that he said, um, but you will be happy to know. <laughs> um, but um, a lot but, of people say a lot yeah, of right, you know, like. But you certainly say, from yeah. the proverbs, like there, there is, um, there is certainly this sense that um, that work uh, can be a very satisfying, mm. very satisfying thing, and is part of our humanity, and, um, uh, and and that really leisure shouldn't be seen as the ideal. Mm. That satisfaction in our work should be a goal, not the next holiday. And I think this gets us down to the key point. I think of application behind yep. what you're saying. Yep. We can because t- we can tend to live for the holidays that are coming up. Yep. I'll just put up with my work, and I'll live for the holidays. Whereas actually, I think God wants us to draw satisfaction from our work. Satisfaction from being a blessing to our workplace, to the people around us. A satisfaction from b- being productive and doing a good job, even if it's a little thankless. Even if we don't get credited from that, you know, God speaks to that and says. I see it. I recognize what you're doing. Uh, and um, so that's an important kind of spiritual attitude that we need to adopt, yeah. a much more positive one towards our work mm. than the negativity of, oh, I just hate my work and I live for the holidays. Mm. Well, leisure is, is, not the, uh, is, is not necessarily – I mean, of course, we need leisure time. Yeah. Uh, of course. But it's not it's – not, we shouldn't – that's not what we live for. Yes, yeah, yeah. The, the the chief purpose of why we're here yeah. is not to have a holiday. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's, and it and it sort of goes in, and this is like the shadow behind reading proverbs this time for me. Like there's a, there's like a shadow behind it that it was set up by wisdom talking at the beginning because it gets into this practical nitty gritty about talking about work and effort and mm. and all that stuff. And if I just had that without the wisdom part at the mm. beginning. I'd be like, this is pretty boring. Like, this yeah. is like, what is this about? Yeah. But there seems to be this shadow behind it saying, this is how you flesh it out practically mm. in the day to day. And this mm. is the bigger, these are the min- minutiae of how you flesh the, out this bigger yeah. concepts. Yeah. And I mean, you see, you see that in, in the satisfaction that people get from planting gardens and, and like, and it's not just about, oh, I need to plant a garden because. Uh, I need I need food and the food. It's actually in some ways, I mean, f- food is pretty affordable and and I mean, planting a garden doesn't necessarily save you that much money, mm. but people draw so much satisfaction from planting a garden and the satisfaction of raising these things. You know, so, yeah. so there's something about this relationship that we have to the earth yes. of work. It's it's like Adam and Eve working the garden. <laughs> there's something so fundamental to our to our humanity. We were created to be the world's gardeners and caretakers. Yeah. And and so 
um, we we draw immense satisfaction from that process of caretaking and gardening and you know and yeah. all our people who are passionate about environment, environment <laughs> so far will all be saying uh, yay verily yeah. and amen but that's it's it's that, that that is true that it's a it's a core part of who we are okay. to be to to work and and draw the most out of out of this world so reading through it this time and we'll wrap up with this we're running out of time if if uh What's the takeaway for the modern human being? You know, for most of us living in the West and we've got the ability to listen to this podcast Mm. through technology and, you know, we have um, more and more leisure time on our hands and and work Mm. is not the same sort of work that that Solomon was talking about. And work, work, the definition of work changes all the time. Um, One man's work is another man's holiday or hobby or anything like that. Yeah. What, what what's the takeaway for for us right now going through this part of proverbs and all the financial work attitude ones? What would you have as takeaway from this point? Um, I think that the real takeaway is um, is an attitude. It's an attitude towards um, what the task that we have before us. I mean, it's. Um, it's so easy just to be negative all the time, and you know, in the time when the proverb. The proverbs were written. I mean, this was an agrarian society. They had to work really hard to just get food, right? And yet, there's this, there's this positivity around work, uh, this enjoyment in you work hard, you enjoy the harvest. Mm. This relationship to this process of mm. sowing and reaping, and you're part of this bigger, you're part of this bigger thing. And so, I think we're encouraged to have a better attitude towards. Um, towards the work that we have. And I know that there may be plenty of reasons why, you know, there's really acrimonious workplaces and, you know, but you know what, like there, even there, let's be positive about that and positive about the positive influence that we can have in a really bad workplace. Even if everything is against us, this is an opportunity to apply our faith and to, uh, you know, th- there's, there's so much opportunity to find purpose and satisfaction in the midst of our work and I think I think the wisdom of the proverbs is um, is to uh, is to instill that positive uh, diligent persevering work yeah so that it's and it's not even about the physical outcome it's about the attitudinal outcome we become better people as a result i think we've lost part of the satisfaction though of it because some of the work and i find that like as in i've sowed the seed Mm. You know, we do all the stuff, and then look at this harvest. You know, there's a that that cyclical nature mm. of what they were doing in the, whether it was working with animals, that farm sort of mentality, mm. uh, or even some of the practical trade stuff that mm. that people do. Mm. You have a satisfaction. I put in the hard works. So I lay these bricks. Bang! I've got a wall. Mm. But for those of us who who work mm. in different areas that of of the mind or media yeah. or creative or all these different things. I tell you what. Sometimes I have found myself reading through this, reading through Proverbs again, and saying, "Okay, God, I need to see mm. a little bit. I feel like I'm sowing seeds. Yeah. Show me a little bit of of what is yeah. happening." Yeah. And and he he's faithful, and he does. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I I, I can remember actually when I was um, in the mid sort of uh, mid to late nineties, I, I worked as a teacher. Um, 
teach as a music like classroom music teacher and and I was running this program it was like it was my own uh, business and and I ran this music program in a number of schools and it were, I was really busy you know and and it was quite intense as well it was like full time it sort of in between the studies actually I took a year off to develop this uh, a couple of years off full time study to develop this business and then I still sort of did that while I was studying at the same time so so I'm working flat out I'm studying you know and and I and I started to develop a really bad attitude towards I just oh I'm so sick of this and and because it was quite intense and exhausting and if I see another child again <laughs> strangle it's like you know and and I remember actually um uh responding to the proverbs actually and uh, allowing the proverbs to speak into that, and and to and the, first of all to make me feel thankful that I even had work. I mean, I just started recognizing, well, you know, I have work. I I have work, and and I and and encouraging me to feel satisfied about you know what I was doing, and and I just remember recognizing the bad attitude that I had, and making a determined effort to get up in the morning, be thankful about the job that I had. And to say, for, for God's sake and for my witness as a Christian, I'm going to put in my all and, and I'm going to have a positive attitude. And, you know, making a real decision just to be positive and thankful. And I pray about my day. And it just totally, it really, it was the same job, same, you know, but it transformed the way that I, um, that I saw that. And I think sometimes what we need is not a new job, but a new attitude toward our job. And if, if we, because uh, often we can run away from that monotony, but a change of attitude does wonders for changing the situation that you're in. finances, satisfaction. It's funny how these principles that were written down thousands of years ago for the man back then, man and woman back then, are still applicable probably more now than ever before to us now. You know, like these principles are still there. Now, I hope that you've gotten something out of what Matt and I have been talking about as we go through the book of Proverbs. Please, as we say every week, if you've got a question, Keep on listening. Uh, Benita will let you know how you can get in touch with us, where you can find us online. But uh, there's also a way to email us from our website. You can head over to thrivetoday.net.au and you'll see a button there that says contact. You want to contact us there. It's pretty clear on how to do it. Uh, It's a way that uh, you can get a hold of us directly with your questions, with your comments, We're always keen to hear from you, especially about the book of Proverbs, about this whole subject of wisdom. So make sure you take a hold of that over at the website. All right, well, we'll see you next week on another episode of Thrive Deeper. On behalf of Matt and Stu and all the gang, we say thank you so much for tuning in. See ya. Thank you so much for listening to Thrive Deeper. We value all our listening community. If you are on Facebook, search and like Thrive Today page to get all of our latest updates. Join the conversation online with nearly 400 other listeners at facebook.com slash groups slash Thrive Deeper. 
home on the internet is at thrivetoday.net.au. There you can subscribe to the Thrive Daily Reading Guide and contact us directly. That's at thrivetoday.net.au. Our music is provided by the talented Rod Gear. For more information, head to rodgearmusic.com. The podcast is recorded at the studios of Geelong Christian Media Incorporated, then edited and produced by djp.fm. Until next time, thrive. thrive.